Today, we have a special interview with the host of the Explore the Space podcast, Dr. Mark Shapiro. This is Doctor versus Comedian. I'm Dr. Asif Doja, and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Every episode, what we normally do is I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment, and I question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic from medicine and health and grills me on that topic. But today is a special episode. Today we'll be interviewing the host of the podcast, Explore the Space, Dr. Mark Shapiro. And since Mark does a series on his podcast called Med Lasso, we will also be discussing the newly released season three of Ted Lasso. Mark Shapiro is a practicing hospitalist, and I'm going to find out momentarily what that means. Lives in Santa Rosa, California. He is a fantastic podcaster. His podcast is called Explore the Space. Mark, welcome to Doctor vs. Comedian. This is going to be fun. Uh, we've been riffing for a few minutes. I'm ready for literally anything, and so let's get amongst it. Don't 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 reveal to our audience that there was fun had before they got on board. There was no fun <laughs> whatsoever. The fun That's right. starts now. That's right. It was like filling in a scantron where we have to bubble in your letter, your name. That's S-H-A. right. S-H-A. It was excruciating. Oh, well, the scantron trauma. You're bringing... <laughs> I took us back. Right. I took That's us back. Us back. I know. That's kind of a niche so, reference, but those who know, know. Those they who know, know, know. They know the trauma. So, in fact, let's go back. Let's go way back. Often on our podcast, we like to ask our guests their origin story, just like you are a superhero. You are a superhero in the podcasting and medicine space. But how did you get, you have a very kind of interesting path that led you to medicine and then to podcasting. So can you just take us, take us back a bit? It's really interesting that you say that my path was interesting because my understanding of my path has evolved. Third generation physician. My grandfather was a doctor. My dad was a doctor. I was growing up and I could see how much my father enjoyed his craft, uh, but I wasn't interested in it Mm. and went off to college. I went to UCLA. I was a sports writer and I was a history major, but I had the opportunity to work in a hospital one of the summers, A, to make some money, um, but also just to kind of see what is this really like? You know, the the pre-med requirements at UCLA were not interesting and really intense. The people were pretty fired up and it was very competitive and not what I wanted to really do while I was in college. But I really loved it. I loved being in the hospital. I loved seeing the team interactions. I loved the opportunity to be of service. Uh, I felt very comfortable in that environment. And it was really exciting. I felt really compelled to do it. Years go by and I'm telling myself I'm doing this on my own and I my, my own journey and things of that nature. And then I become a dad. And my son is now six and a half. And my son Already yesterday, driving to T-ball practice, dad, can I go to medical school where you went to medical school? Wow, that's quite a statement, hun. Tell me a little I mean, bit more about that. I, I can't believe that he was driving to T-ball practice. <laughs> well, he, seems, he seems pretty advanced from what I'm hearing, Mark. It's also weird that I'm playing T-ball at 46, but yeah, I mean, that's a whole other thing. Um, what I have come to understand is there is something in my DNA. My son, with no pressure or insight from me at six and a half for a while, has been saying 
he wants to be a doctor. He says so because he wants to be with his, he said we could work together, which is very cool. But I can also see that he has a sense that there's an opportunity to be of service, that there's an opportunity to do something that's very satisfying, to do something that is larger than yourself. And I have come to understand over the last few years that this wasn't just me, that there is something imprinted. And I feel really good about that. I feel really proud of that. And as I kind of move into this next phase of my career, right, I've been an attending now for 16 years. I like being in that space that I am part of something larger, not just in the profession, but in how I got here. Uh, and it feels great. And it feels fun that that'll be part of my journey as a father, too. I think you're being uh, quite humble, which is which is lovely, of course, about the you know it being in your DNA. But I think what I read about you, the episodes I've listened to, you take a pride in your work. You have fun with what you do. And what kid doesn't want to have fun and be happy with what they're doing? And I think that might be passed on. And it seems like that might have been passed on from your dad as well. What a wonderful thing to pick up on. And I really, really appreciate it. And I'm going to tell you why. I get asked a lot, what would be the advice you would give to medical student, Mark? What would be the advice you'd give to someone starting medical school, wants to go to medical school, they're a resident, they're in all these sorts of things. And my answer is always the same. Remember how to have fun, not remember to have fun. Remember how to have fun because there was a stretch in my career where I forgot and it was not very comfortable. And I've had to work very hard to get better at that. To hear you reflect that back to me, I'm going to buzz off of this for a while. That was awesome. Thank you. That was really, really cool. For, uh, for myself, people, uh, you know, listeners like myself, can you tell me what a hospitalist is? And is it, you know, in my mind, I make an assumption that it's somebody who works in hospital admin, but I don't really, I'm not particularly familiar with that term. It's a, a fairly new term. And I appreciate you asking. Basically, it's, uh, I'm a hospital. So I did my training in internal medicine, which is a very broad, large specialty that lots of people do. Hospitalists and hospital medicine is the specialty where we treat hospitalized adults. So I'm a I'm an adult hospitalist. So my specialty is the care of the hospitalized adult patient. There are pediatric hospitalists, pediatricians who specialize in the care of hospitalized children. That's all I do. I don't have an office practice. I come on service. I inherit a cohort of patients from my teammate who's going off service. I take care of them for usually a seven-day stretch. And then I rotate off and somebody comes on for me. My team is big. There's 13 of us rounding every day and four of us doing admissions every day because it's a big program. Um, hospital medicine as a specialty is the fastest growing specialty in the history of American medicine. The vast majority of American hospitals now utilize hospitalists uh, because we've been able to demonstrate a number of things. Number one, most importantly, reduced morbidity and mortality. We've demonstrated that we can decrease length of stay. We allow the physicians who take care of the patients in the non-hospital setting, in the office, in the clinic, to be in the office in the clinic all day because there's plenty of work to be done there as well. And for me, it's been a wonderful position. I love being in the hospital. I love the kinetic nature of it. Uh, I love the the high acuity, right? People are sick and they need attention. Um, I love the team aspects of it. I, there's a dynamism there that's really satisfying for me. And I've been doing it for, yeah, now almost 16 years. We're talking about the love you have for what you do. And you also mentioned, you know, the sports writing and the interest in American history. Yeah. What was it about podcasting that interested you? Was it some a way to further dive into the stuff you were already interested in or get the message out about it? Or was there something about podcasting itself that was uh, another one of your interests? I think that it was a little bit of a combination, to be quite honest. And I'm not trying to be evasive. I think it was a bit of all of them. Growing up, I always loved the art of storytelling. People who could 
now, as I come to understand, who were good at public speaking, who would feel comfortable getting up in front of a group and sharing a tale, loved it. Always loved it. I loved audiobooks when I was a little kid. It was funny. One of my early classmates, his parents ran a small audiobook company. So they would, for my birthday presents and whatever, I would get Huckleberry Finn and Treasure Island and The Hobbit. Wow. And in these like multi-actor, multi-voice actor wow. renditions of it, I would listen to them to the point where I memorized them. I loved them so much. Growing, you know, coming up, you know, podcasting, I was an early adopter because it was that same sort of dynamic. And uh, there's a company that I still do some work for called Practicing Excellence. And in the early phases of that company, they, I was like, you guys should start a podcast. And when I saw them try to launch one, my understanding of how to actually implemented the technical aspects i realized they weren't that bad and i thought let's give this a try juxtaposing that with where i was professionally right i'm in an early career attending at that point eh, not quite early i mean i've been an attending for eight nine years something like that and looking for things where i can expand my imprint i can just do things differently and again remembering how to have fun this sounded really fun mm -hmm. and so off we went looking at a space where there was clearly misunderstandings and misperceptions between those who seek care, healthcare in America, and those who provide it. So let's explore that space. And that was the conceit. Then the the backstory behind the name, right? You probably remember the Saturday Night Live sketch, the Blue Oyster Cult behind the music, where Christopher Walken says, we need more cowbell. More cowbell, yeah. But he says, fellas, explore the space. And if you go on my website to post number one, at the very, very bottom, it's a gif of Christopher Walken saying, explore the space it's great because that sketch is all more cowbell for people and people forget explore the space that's right i also recently heard uh, one of the podcasts i listened to is um fly on the wall with david spade and dana carvey all they have are guests who either worked uh wrote on or ho hosted saturday night live it's it's basically an snl podcast stop it that's... Yeah, 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 yeah. You go wow. back to the beginning, and you you have Dennis oh Miller gosh. on there, Kevin Nealon. I mean, it's really something special. What's so your favorite have... Saturday Night Live sketch? What's the best one for each of you? Quickly. Oh God, that's very difficult. It's man. very that's difficult. Very difficult because the it's like each one. generation brought there. You know, You're I remember making it too complicated. You're East making Burger it too complicated. And... You just yeah. got to go word association. What's the best one? Go. <laughs> I mean, I. I, I got a cowboy cowbell is there, and cowbell. the reason is, you know, Will Ferrell talks about on this podcast. He talks about how Christopher Walken, you know, Will Ferrell was like, hey, man, you're you're absolutely killing it. And he goes, really? And he goes, yeah, yeah, this is great. And he goes, I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, he didn't understand at all <laughs> why it was funny, which makes it even funnier so yeah. many years later to me Amazing. that Chris Walken mm -hmm. is like, why are people laughing? But I will say that there's about six Will Ferrell sketches that I really love. I loved all his Jeopardy. Yeah. I love when they were cheerleaders. Yeah. Um, I, there's a lot of Will Ferrell that I really like. Asif, what's your favorite? SNL yeah, scene? you know, I'm an Eddie Murphy kind of guy because yeah. I started watching SNL when he was on. So I was going to say Mr. Robinson's, but it's actually like Mr. Robinson's neighborhood, but it's actually when he dresses up as a white person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, because it, it was so insightful and incisive. I thought uh, that was uh, that's uh, something else. What about you, Mark? Matt Foley, motivational speaker, yeah. when oh, Christina God, Applegate was the guest. It's aged so well, too. It's it's such a timestamp, and it's there's so much beauty in it. It's hilarious, but there's so much tragedy in it, too, right? I mean, Chris Farley's gone. Phil, Phil Hartman's Hartman. gone. Um, 
you know, Christina Applegate's been very transparent with the medical issues she's dealt with over the years. Yep. It, it humanizes that whole show. And I, I, I watch that sketch a lot. And every time I watch it, because it'll, you know, it's on my YouTube feed. You you put one Saturday Night Live thing into YouTube and they just kind of populate your, your feed, which is great. Sure. Um, every time it's it, it hits me a little differently. Sometimes I laugh hysterically. You know, I see Spade break or I see Applegate break or whatever. And then sometimes yeah. like, man, this is really sad. Like these people who made me laugh so many times how, two of them are gone it's 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 just a really interesting experience but that sketch is is hilarious the uh the podcast i just mentioned to you fly on the wall they do a double episode on chris farley and it's about um probably about over three hours of wow. interviews from different people sandler and yeah. uh kevin nealon chris rock all coming on to talk about chris farley memories so yeah that's your uh that's our, our little uh, you know introduction of something to you. You introduced us in your own way to explore the space. There you go. Introduce you to fly on the wall. Now That's we're going to get uh, we're going to swing back to entertainment in just a, just a couple of minutes. All but right. I did want to ask you a bit more about some more serious topics. One of them is social media, which to a lot of people is not a serious topic. It's frivolous. It's uh, you know dangerous it's uh you know something to, to look down on but i've heard you talk about this uh several times and uh you we you know i think about the horrors of social media but you've talked a lot about social media as a as a mechanism for advocacy especially for medicine so can you tell our listeners a bit about that i think it's not something that people think about immediately yeah you know it's it's an important counterpoint to the common narratives right now around social media. And I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm saying that they can these, these narratives can exist in parallel. You know, when I was in medical school and in residency, social media was really a, a no-fly. It was, this is not where physicians should be. It's unprofessional. It's whatever. There was a lot of gaslighting around it. And it all came from not understanding what this was. The people who were saying that it's not because they were bad people or they were trying to trick us or anything like that, we were learning. Um, and yeah, I mean, there are real pitfalls and really significant issues then and now. What also can happen, though, is it can become a, a marketplace of ideas. The platform that I've enjoyed the most over the years has been Twitter and the idea interchange, the opportunities for collaboration, the 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 places where you can find shared interests, the ways that you can learn if you approach it from a from a place of, you know, uh, appreciative inquiry, you can really learn a tremendous amount around topics that are really, really difficult. And then the thing that's been the most rewarding for sure, acknowledging, I, I got to give a really interesting keynote last year with a friend of mine. And they said, what, you know, they wanted us to talk about Ted Lasso and Med Lasso or something like that. And I was like, no, I want to talk about making friends as an adult. Making friends as an adult is really hard. And social media, especially during the pandemic, has allowed us to change the, our understanding of how we make friends as adults, because I've connected with all these people through social media from all around the country, from other countries. We finally get to meet in person as the pandemic evolves and we can now go to conferences and go out and all these sorts of things. And we meet and it's not like we're meeting for the first time. We're picking up where we left off. Mm -hmm. The friendship formation has already happened. And that was so exciting. I have so many more new, wonderful, tried and true friends that I have been through real hardship with. The meeting in real life part was not as important as any of us thought it would be. When we meet in real life, it's really gratifying. But it's not, it's not the piece that you need to now be able to say we're friends. We're friends regardless. And that has been extraordinarily exciting. In that space then of comfort and mutual respect 
and shared understanding and desire to learn and improve, there are opportunities for advocacy. And there are places to say, here are pla here are some things where I can use my voice, where I can use my platform, where, where I can be courageous, where I can follow the example that others have set for me and hopefully be an example for others and speak and speak loudly. So for me, those things are gender equity, climate change, uh, gun safety in America and the gun violence epidemic in America. And using the the platform and the privilege that I have as a white male physician in America who hosts a podcast uh, with the, the point being at the end of the day, at some point, my, you know, six-year-old son, as we're driving to whatever it's going to be, right. It was T-ball yesterday. It'll be his high school soccer match. He's going to say, dad, in the early twenties, there was a lot going on. I learned about these things in my history class. Mm -hmm. What were you doing to make them better, dad? You know, you, you, I know you, you know, you're, you were, a, you're a doctor, you're a podcaster. You had a platform. What did you do? And I want to, and I aspire to have an answer that is meaningful when he asks me, because he will, and I am, I want to be ready. It's hmm. very nice. You know, this is a very interesting subject. You were saying, you know, meeting friends as an adult or making friends as an adult. Uh, you got me thinking that maybe it's almost better to make friends as an adult uh, online. Um, cause in person, it's like, now you're like, oh God, you put ketchup on your scrambled eggs. So this is not going to work. <laughs> you learn heck? too much. I learned you, too much. Or you find out that they have alligator arms when the bill comes, you know, yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Where is that wallet of mine? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I think that, I guess my point with saying all that is, is we also have to be careful and mindful when we connect with people on social media too. I just think we can give ourselves that space to acknowledge that when relationships are forming and we're not being catfished and there isn't someone who's trying to do something malicious, um, that we can also, we can have friendship formation happen in those spaces and extraordinary collaboration mm -hmm. and opportunities for growth and learning. They can exist, um, but you you have to be very, very careful too. Because right. somebody will put, you know, what did you say? Ketchup on the what did mayonnaise? Scrambled the, eggs. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're sure. There's yeah, the social sure. media equivalent to that. There's some sort of Twitter malfeasance that I mean, I kind of want to stop this podcast. That was gross. But I put <laughs> ketchup on my scrambled. I know egg you do, and that's why we ketchup. have. We, that's why we don't meet in person. Why? <laughs> it just tastes good, Mark. I don't know what to I say. I mean, it's fine. I. Mm. You know, Mark is probably going to drop me off on this call else. right now. I'll put ketchup yeah, exactly. on. They're going to continue the podcast, just the two of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's, uh, I, I definitely want to touch on something you just mentioned uh, a few minutes ago about the gun control that you're a huge advocate Ooh, for, okay. uh, Mark. Let's right? pause. And, let's pause. This is important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Gun control. That is a term yeah. that we all need to learn to avoid mm. using. And I apologize for interrupting you, but this is no, our, great. This is our opportunity for shared learning. So I got to have an episode of Explore the Space podcast. There's a, a wonderful fundraiser that I participate in every year called Rock the Ride. And it's a bike ride, walk, and run in Yountville, California in June every year to raise money for uh, gun violence prevention. And it's, it was started by my congressman, Congressman Mike Thompson. Um, it's a non-campaign event. But there was a mass shooting in Yountville at the Veterans Home several years ago, and that's where it started from. So during the pandemic, we couldn't have it in person. So Congressman Thompson and Steve Kerr, the head coach of the Golden State Warriors, who's a very outspoken advocate in the oh, yeah. gun violence prevention space, he lost his father to gun violence. They came on Explore the Space, and we were having this amazing conversation. And what Steve Kerr told, told me and the audience as we we're having the conversation is he goes all around the country. And he speaks to audiences all around the country. And what he has come to learn is that when you say gun control, 
you have lost the argument. You have now put yourself in a corner using a term created by the National Rifle Association in the 1970s and 1980s that basically locks you into a fever dream about people coming to take your guns away, which is unconstitutional. That is in violation of the Second Amendment. We are looking for gun violence risk reduction. We are looking for firearm education and safety. We are seeking to lower the curve where gun violence is the leading cause of death for children in the United States. This is not about control. This is about shared decision-making, good public policy, and normalization of conversations and behavior that make firearms, which are a huge part of American life and have been since before the Declaration of Independence and the signing of the Constitution, a safer part of American life. Right. And that is the really important thing. But when we say gun control, you've lost the conversation. You're now in that space. And I came to learn I had to pivot, too. And I have a grand rounds that I give and I've been fortunate to give it a lot. And that is the slide and the, the part of it that always resonates the most, because that those two words are so powerful in the, people's mindset around what it means that if we use them, we're not accurately reflecting what we are seeking to do with our advocacy, and we are falling into a trap um, that it was set 30 years ago at the signing of a thing called the Dickey Amendment, and we can talk about that another time, but it's really interesting on how the narratives around firearms in the United States developed. But yeah, so... Gr greatest greatest interruption on this, uh, on this podcast in the history of our podcast, because uh, I completely see what you're saying, and would not have appreciated that uh, until I saw it either said out loud or written somewhere. But, you know, it's no different from sort of, you know, global warming. And then people go, well, it's not warm where it's, I am. It's freezing. So blah, blah. So you say climate change. That's right. You know, that's right. Those words do matter. And I think I totally see what you're saying. I see what Steve Kerr's point is that gun control is not valuable because you are immediately two siding this issue. Immediately that's right. With the word and I appreciate control. you being open to it because that's the key, right? We are all striving to get better in a space where we really have to, where there is no alternative, because what's happening in the United States right now with respect to firearms is entirely unacceptable. And we as a nation can aspire to do better. And I know that you as our neighbors to the north look and are like, what, what, what is your great republic doing? <laughs> Literally and figuratively, what are you doing? And where is the leadership? And then the other piece to this too is we get this sense that we're a nation divided around firearms. And the reality is, is that we're not. When you look at polling data on virtually every aspect of gun violence reduction efforts, almost all of them poll above 80%, whether it's universal background checks or you name it, you know, closing red flag loopholes, um, you know, domestic partners that can't have firearms if there's a history of domestic violence. You look at the list, they all pull, find me any issue in America that pulls above 80% and they're all mm. related to firearm risk reduction. This is not a nation divided around that issue. And part of the gaslighting that's happened is we're being told that, and that is not the case. This country does not want this reality. The next thing that will happen is both on the policy side and also on the private industry side and, and the you know, the the insurance side is where things will start to change. And they will, because where we are right now is entirely untenable. Mm -hmm. You had um, this is a dark, dark chapter, I imagine. But but I, I'd love to for you to talk about how you would respond to people. Well, many of us remember the um, that, you know, the gun gun violence. And, and that's this is another point, you know gun violence when you when you call it gun violence reduction it's immediately a me medical issue but but 
when you call it gun control, then you had people saying, stay in your lane, which um, I did one tiny mathematical step. And I was like, oh, these are people who don't really understand what doctors do. Of course, this is obviously their very lane. I mean, who's 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 next in line after gun violence? Who, who's the next person to see uh, somebody who's been shot or killed, right? It's always medical people in the medical field. So um, what was your response back then when you were hearing a lot of that, right? That the, the ugliness that Asif mentioned about Twitter was definitely That's on right. display. So what what I think you're referencing and what I remember when I hear the physicians should stay in their lane is the uh, there was a paper published in the Annals of Internal Medicine by the American College of Physicians. Basically, here are steps that should be taken to reduce gun violence in America. And the National Rifle Association on Twitter replied with a tweet basically saying, and I'm paraphrasing, um, that like self-righteous doctors in America should stay in their lane. That tweet was a galvanizing moment, and I cannot understate that. I actually have that ta- that tweet in my grand rounds that I like to give called things we didn't learn in training about fi- things I didn't learn in training about firearms. That was a galvanizing moment because physicians and healthcare professionals from all around the world poured out in legion. You want to talk about a Twitter ratio and shared their stories, right? I spent last night in the recess room. We had two people die. I'm going home. My scrubs are covered in blood and I need a new pair of shoes. How is this not my lane? I work in pathology and and the people that we have to do postmortems on who've been blown to pieces by fire. How is this not my, are you kidding me? And for me, Seeing the outpouring of response to that tweet was really important because in my training and in the early phase of my career, I was told that this is not our lane, that it's irresponsible for physicians to get involved. It's a political issue. It's unprofessional. We don't talk about it. And it was there was again, we can (laughs) we'll have a separate conversation around how this all transpired in America. But that was very much the reality and seeing the legions of people with the courage to really stand up to this massive entity called the National Rifle Association and say with their full throat, this is absolutely our lane and here's what we're going to do for me was a really important moment. And it helped me find my courage and my people and my sense of purpose. And the the push back has been unrelenting, which is great. It's what it should be. The, the momentum continues to build. I'm going to... Uh take a little segue here and you're right we definitely will want you to come back on the podcast mark and talk specifically about about gun violence the problem is of course we have an entertainment subject that i want to also get to so it's a hard segue uh but and i um, get it and i look i appreciate you both creating space for this conversation because i think it's important to acknowledge that conversations around firearms can happen in any context they can happen amongst friends they can happen at the dinner table hmm. We, we want to normalize these discussions so we can have them from the perspective of we're trying to get better. We're trying to make things safer. This is normal discourse. We can talk about it without being at each other's throats. We can talk about it without somehow impugning one another personally. We talk about the weather. We talk about sports. We talk about the news of the day. We have to be able to have the language and the focus to be able to have those conversations and then allow ourselves to then transition to talk about other things just as we would anything else. Right. Right. So yeah, it, it's fine to segue from that. I think that what you are doing is role modeling exactly the right behaviors around talking about a sensitive issue and then life goes on. Yeah. It's a conversation, right? That's right. And, That's yeah. awesome. And, and so, well, I'll pivot to a conversation that we had online. It was an email that you sent to us. Uh, and we're going to talk about Ted Lasso in just a minute, but okay. You said 
uh, to me in an email. He said, could we just open up your archive for a second and touch Ugh. on the wonderful Robin Williams for a few moments? Please. And I want to know, uh, what, what did you want to talk about, about Robin Williams? You know, so shout out to your guys' archive because you just, right, learn remembering how to have fun. You guys have fun. You guys come on here and you just riff and you riff on good stuff and you get to talk about Saturday Night Live and stand-up comics. So when I saw all of that, I was like, who is who has made me laugh the most in my life that I've, you know, that I don't know? Obviously, my best friends and my family. Mm -hmm. Setting that aside, and it's by far, by far, Robin Williams. And I miss him. I never met him. I don't know him. I don't know people who know him. Um, we never met, but I miss him. I, I was sad when he passed. And I am sad on the anniversaries of his passing. And when things surface around him on Twitter and he trends again, I look at all of it. He, 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 I don't know. His humor was so humanizing and so open and transparent and it stood the test of time. I mean, I have his like live in New York tape from the eighties and every special after that, we were at the warehouse Remember the warehouse where you could buy like cassettes and CDs back in the way back in the day when I was sure. a little kid. Yeah. And my parents said, you see who that is over there? And I looked, I'm like, I don't know who that is. That, that That's Mork. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, that's the actor who plays Mork. Cause I would watch Mork and Mindy and it was him. It was Robin Williams. And he oh, was wow. over there, hat pulled low, jacket over him. And I said, I want to go say hi. Cause I was already me at that point. And my mom's like, no, do you see how he's dressed? <laughs> And I said, yeah. And I was like, is it hard to recognize who it is? And I said, yeah. She said, he wants it that way. Let's leave him be. I said, okay, I get it. Um, but I think in that space of remembering how to have fun, he was a, a real place of fun and laughter and happiness for me and so many of my friends over so many years. So if nothing else, in a, in a on a podcast where having fun and comedy is so important, just being able to like shout that out is very meaningful. Sure. And we have had, uh, we've done an episode on, on Robin Williams for that very reason. And we were talking about Louis body dementia in, in the medical uh, component, Yeah, and, but we were just talking about what he meant to us and how he, um, he became, you know, part of our life. And um, of course, Jason Sudeikis has said that Ted Lasso was also inspired in part by Robin Williams, which brings us to the other big part of your <laughs> podcast, the sub-series, which is Med Lasso, devoted to all things Ted Lasso. So how did that how did that come about? Why was that an important yeah. uh, series to to sort of sneak in, or maybe not sneak in, shove in with totally. gusto I know. Into, uh, into your podcast? So, you know, we're in the midst of the pandemic. Everything's really hard. Everyone is really, and when I say everyone, I mean everyone in their own way is, mm -hmm. is having a hard time. And... My buddy from high school says, you got to watch this show. And I was like, you know, I saw the trailers. I remember when they did the Saturday Night Live bit when he was the Tottenham Hotspur coach. That's my Premier League team. And okay, I, I was like, this, is gonna, this isn't going to work. And he's like, no, Mark, hmm. trust. We've known each other since we were 14. You got to watch it. I watched the first episode and I was like, ugh, not working for me. And then I kept watching and I started and then I saw it, right? Then I saw The Matrix and I saw how readily translatable this show was. And started telling all my other friends to watch it. And my buddy cited Tabata by right guy. We met on social media. We've become really good friends. We only met for the first time a year ago. I said, I, there's, there's something here. We got to do a podcast around it because so many people in healthcare are enjoying this show too. There's something about it that it, that transcends just a good show. There's something that's really resonant with people in healthcare. And I, we got to figure out what that is. 
So we said, let's do a couple episodes and see what happens. And immediately we're like, well, we got to recap every episode. We got to do every episode live. And the demand has been amazing. I mean, there's a hashtag med lasso community. We've done live shows. We're going to do another live show at the society of hospital medicine annual meeting later in March. Uh, it's, it's, it's remarkable insofar as the way we are enjoying this shared experience together, acknowledging that the way we're appreciating it is different than the way other professions or cohorts might appreciate it. And it's, I don't like platitudes and I don't like hyperbole. It's extraordinary. It's really, mm. really great. Um, you know, everyone want, people want to come on the show and we post an episode and everyone wants to talk about it. And there's the, the syncopated things that we've done on it that people want to share their thing. It, it's remarkable. And to have that shared experience within this profession that I love, I don't know, man. I mean, it's, it, it feels really good. So what do you think it is? Why do you think, because I agree with you, everything you've said about Ted Lasso and how it resonates with people in medicine, especially, what, what do you think that is? Do you think it was because of how involved we were in the pandemic? Do you, what, what do you think it is? Yeah, I think so in one vein for all of us, it was just really entertaining and it's funny and it's sweet. I think for those in healthcare, especially in the crucible, you know, in the teeth of the pandemic, it was seeing people struggling amidst a tremendous amount of chaos with very powerful outside dark forces trying to manipulate and influence, working hard to live their lives as whole people, to be accountable to one another, to find moments of joy amidst sadness, to be sad, but to do it together, right? The speech at the end of season one, like this is a really sad moment but we're together and let's be sad together. Every time, even now just saying it, it makes me choke up. Um, those sorts of things I think really struck a chord because while we're struggling through something that we don't fully understand and is so traumatizing and we're seeing so much harm and sadness and death and grief and all of the things that happened in 2020 and 2021 with the pandemic, it was a reflection of that experience and how you can still continue to move forward. It's a microcosm, but it showed that we can still move forward and there can still be joy and there can still be human connection and there can still be achievement and there can be failure. And how do we just continue to amidst chaos and nonsense and hilarity continue to move forward and live our lives right at the end of season one onward forward. It's in my Twitter profile. That matters to me. And I think that that really resonates for people. And I, I think it's it's this idea when you first start watching the show and it's this positive character and you think, when's the shoe going to drop? When are people going to make fun? And they do, obviously, people have seen the show. When is people going to make fun of him? When is he going to be the butt of the joke? When is, is he going to be like just a caricature, like a Ned Flanders type type person yeah. for a Simpsons reference? And it never happens. No. Right. It, it's it's like positivity is the new sarcasm. Right. Sarcasm is this, this tired old way of talking, uh, of making jokes. And it's like, no, you can just be positive. And I think it was just so refreshing. And they and I think the key is the creators stuck to it. Right. They said, no, this is it. This is the character. We're moving forward like this. Not without his foibles. He does have, you know, his sure. areas of weakness and it's explored in, in the first two seasons. But uh, I, I'm most excited when it's explored. In fact, I love it when it is explored. I, I mean, it's it further humanizes such a human show. I, I, I can't say enough good things about this show. Actually. Yeah. And it is not without. Co I mean, there's no such thing as coincidence. I don't believe in it. Bill Lawrence, who was one of the co-creators of it, also created Scrubs, yep, which exactly. by universal acclaim is the most realistic medical show ever made 
Um, it's a satire, but it's the closest to the, what the experience is like. And there's no, th there's no way that that level of situational awareness and insight didn't infiltrate the show. Um, and then the timing is extraordinary, right? These episodes are dropping and there are like specific things that would have happened to me in the hospital with people I was taking care of and experiences that I had when I came home to my family and my friends and then seeing it on the show reflected back in this thing, in this world of sports, but also just life in general and really feeling a deep sense of connection. It was weird. I, I don't think it'll happen again. There will be shows that will try. It was that, that milieu though, man. Wow. Wow. But any profession I think can look into the show and say the same thing, right? I bet you professional comics can look at it and say, there's a lot in here about what my life's journey is like for those who are in law or in the military or our school team, whatever the case, man, they've constructed this archetype of humanity in a very nicely done diverse way too. And it's just superb. <laughs> I don't know. You sort of run mm -hmm. out of words around it, I guess, mm -hmm. yeah, which yeah, is weird okay. for me because I could keep going. <laughs> uh, Mark, we have only a few minutes left with you, but also if I think we want to, uh, preview season three by um... we just no no it. mark is very scared mark is very scared of a spoiler and that is not what's happening we are previewing season three right, i'm ready by reminding everyone about of, of, the end of, of where season we're at. two okay so where yeah. we're at so uh, I, just to, just to preface that there is rumors i don't know if mark pays attention to the trade uh you know uh, entertainment weekly you know hollywood reporter etc so Initially, Jason Sudeikis and Bill Lawrence had said he they imagined a three-season arc of the story right. of Ted Lasso right. and the right. story of, of the football team that he coaches. And so this is the third season that that is starting uh, right. uh, this week. And so, uh, but I just read a recent, uh, I'll, I'll link to it on our webpage, a recent interview with, with uh, uh, Jason Sudeikis. And he's like, yeah, you know, that it was planned for three seasons, but the X factor is the uh, Apple TV plus uh, money, <laughs> money uh, dump truck, right? Because yeah. this show uh you know behind the scenes put apple tv on the map nobody was watching no apple tv that's and right this was the show that did that's and why tim cook was it. at the premiere last night i mean yeah. for tim cook to be there last night taking pictures on the red carpet like that it's something is the exclamation yeah. point behind your statement for sure so so we'll see uh, you know it, so that is a for me it's exciting and scary right that this may yeah. be the last season because you don't want this this again positive show to leave our lives but on the other hand i like stories and i like stories that have a beginning yeah. and i would love to see what they do and we when you think about our favorite shows they're often ones that bowed out at the right time right that did it that's the thing the right you don't want to jump the shark and i i am yeah. confident that this creative team is smart enough to know that and to know that you gotta go out when you're really throwing your fastball that doesn't mean you can't come back and play the game, but maybe you play it in a different position. That's a terrible metaphor, and I'm sorry. <laughs> but I think my you point said is, you were a sports writer for God's sake. What I the... mean, that was rough. Oh, no, it wasn't that. Bad, like your no. your second line defenseman would come in. As, sorry, I'm, now I'm really foundering. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's. I think my writing. point is, I think that they'll re. I think they'll retool it. I think it'll come right. back, but maybe they'll do a feature film. Maybe they'll do some spinoff stuff. You know, kind of like. Return of the Jedi leads to the Mandalorian or something like that. I think right. that I don't, I'm confident that we're not going to get season four, five, six, seven of Ted Lasso, but the Ted Lasso universe, I think is going to be really, really expansive. 
and as as a nerdy aside, you mentioned Scrubs. Uh, those of us who've watched Scrubs, it was amazing. It had an excellent series finale, one of the best uh, series yeah. finales of all time. Yeah. And then it kind of came back with the Scrubs, the new class, uh, and with a bunch of people. And most people have not seen that, and it's probably for the best that for you just pretend it ended. And I think Bill Lawrence has learned from that mistake. <laughs> I think so too. And look, if they were to end now and then just all go on about their merry way. That would be great. What a moment we've all had. We'll have had three years, so much interest, so much. We'll we'll go back to it, right? We'll rewatch it. It'll be, I would be fine. I'd be sad, but I'd be like this. It doesn't need to go on. It can be this perfect little trilogy. Mm -hmm. And then everyone just goes and we enjoy it and reinterpret it. And the thing I'm looking forward to, I'll be totally honest. I'm looking forward to the Ted Lasso trading cards. I really hope that they release oh, great trading idea. cards because all yeah. of the TV shows and movies have them as the you know sports card market has boomed mm-hmm. and they've got a licensing agreement with the Premier League. If they release Ted Lasso trading cards, I will go nuts. That's great. As a as a nerdy aside to some nerdy asides here, I had tickets. I went to I was in London in December. Yeah. And I had tickets to see to see Nick Muhammad, who plays Nate. Yeah on stage at the wow. soho theater uh as the days approach turns out that is the exact day that england is playing france in the world cup and i was going to be in london so i missed nick mohammed we just let yeah. we let the seats just be i mean i don't know who went in poor england, I, mean, the poor oh, guy. Okay. I know i, I know. know i mean he was doing like a 12 12 night run he he oh, must wow. had a great run but that night was happened to be the night of the yeah. world I mean, yeah there's nothing i could do nothing you could so, do you made the right choice it's fine Nick, yeah. nick's okay too <laughs> he'll be okay i'm sure so well in fact let, let's just preview where we're at so this right. of course will be spoilers for season one and two and hopefully if you're a ted lasso fan you, okay you know where we're at the, so. there's no more spoilers Season one, we 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 are allowed to talk about season retroactive one, season two, spoilers freely. don't exist. I mean, yes, come I on. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. listen, it's an ongoing joke on our podcast that people, specifically one friend of ours who shall remain nameless, gets upset when we mention anything about a movie. I'm like, if it was 20 years old, I mean, it was two years anyway. Yeah. So I, I'm glad we're on the same page, but where we left off with, with the team. So AFC Richmond was relegated, right? That's the term, right? Relegated. Mm-hmm. And then is now back up in the premier league uh, at the start of this season. Uh, but there is a wrench that's been thrown in, which is that Rebecca, who is the owner of the team, her ex-husband. And if you've seen the show, you know, there is a conflict which led to Rebecca becoming owner of the team. He has started his own team. Uh, and he hired Nate, played by Nick Muhammad, to coach the team, kind of from under the, uh, uh, take, sealing him away from uh, from uh, AFC Richmond. And that's where we're, and of course, uh, Nick Muhammad's character, Nate, did betray uh, Ted Lasso by kind of exposing um, his panic attacks, uh, which was kind of towards the climax of the season. So that's where we're at. We're at with a team that has to try and, excel in the premier league and not be relegated again and we also have one of uh you know um ted lasso's friends on the other on the other side and so to me i'm curious what you guys are are, are looking for and hoping for from this season i'm very curious about how uh, the ted lasso character reacts to that reacts to to nate switching sides and and nate as well i'm very curious what happens with his character i, I i'm not sure if i uh, I want to see where that character arc goes because I don't think it's just him. 
becoming an evil person, right? I don't think that's it. I think there's more to, to his story, and I'm very curious about that. So what about you guys? What are you guys looking forward to? Is there anything that you want to kind of see? I have the less exciting answer, so I'm going to go first, Mark. I, uh, I uh, what's the word? I um, submit myself to the genius writing and character development and and the experience of Ted Lasso. I, I ask for nothing. I'm not excited for anything. I just, I, no show do I watch more in sort of the present than that show. I'm just like, I'm not trying to guess what's going to happen. I'm just like, just give it to me. I love every single thing. It just keeps me so much in the moment. And I think that's my frame of mind uh, going into season three also. I was smiling because not to sound unoriginal, I am exactly the same way. That's funny. I, I, I just want to embrace it. I'll reflect on it after the fact. I love debriefing, right? That's what we do with Med Lasso. We go back and we talk about right. the episode and we pull out all the references to, you know, the movie Major League and Return of the Jedi and whatever. I love all that stuff for sure. Talk about the music and the clothing and everything mm. for sure. But beforehand, I don't want any. I, I watched the trailer because it was just so saturated with it. I've seen nothing else. I've read no interviews. I've None of the run up, nothing except for the pictures from the premiere last night, nothing. I just want to enjoy it. I just want to let, let it hit me the way it hits me. And I trust that creative team. I trust those actors. Uh, I trust my friends who I'll be watching it with and my wife and my sister mm -hmm. and everyone and you guys now. I just want to enjoy this ride. It's going to be so cool. Um, so I don't have expectations aside from it's going to be a really fun 30 minutes a week for 10 weeks. And then we'll buzz off of it for six days uh, talking about it and doing podcasts and being on social media. We're going to have a blast. We're just, we're going to have a blast. That's what I'm looking forward to. That's my prediction. We're going to have a blast. Why can't you be more like Mark, huh? <laughs> In many ways, I should be. More In like many Mark. ways. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, we've been, uh, we've been just thrilled and, and lucky to have Dr. Mark Shapiro with us today. He is uh, to reiterate, the creator and host of the Explore the Space podcast. That is a show that is focused on, on bringing people who provide healthcare and those who seek healthcare closer together through conversations with leaders across the spectrum. And of course, we were talking about Med Lasso because that is uh, a, a, an increasingly exciting part of the Explore the Space world. And you co-host that with Dr. Syed Tabatabai. If, uh, it, it, he's always on every episode, I yeah, believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get together yeah, yeah, and you sure. talk about all things Ted Lasso. And you started the hashtag Med Lasso on Twitter. And it's become this virtual gathering place for uh, all kinds of medical professionals to bond over the show. We love your work. We're so happy we 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 were introduced to you, Mark, and 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 really happy you got to spend some time with us. And uh, this was excellent. This was so really. much fun to both of you. Thanks for creating this space again. You know, I like to reflect on all of us, but especially in healthcare, we're whole people. And to have it where we have a comic and a doctor chopping it up, it's a reflection of that. And it reminds us that we can express ourselves in all of these different ways and creating a forum where we can have these sorts of open, fun discussions. It's the best. I really appreciate it. Thank you both very, very much. This was really cool.
Asif disagrees. But uh, you know what? That's okay, Mark. I uh, just silence. He's, no, he's no, your perfect foil. I was going to say, like, Asif, say something, dude. I, I, I kicked it to you. I, seriously, Mark, the next episode of this podcast is going to be Dr. Versus Comedian. And you're like, what happened to Asif? No, Mark's on now. He's on, Mark's he's on now. No, be, There's been a trade. But I will say to our listeners, I hope you, I'm sure you got this for the conversation with Mark. Ali and I like to talk about two things, medicine and entertainment. And you know Mark does. It's obvious from our conversation today. And that's why we want Mark on the show, because our podcasts go very well together. They're very complimentary. Yeah. So if you like our podcast, we hope you reach out and check out Explore the Space. It's, it really is excellent. Yeah, but and I'm not want... having you guys on Explore the Space, so sorry. No, that's no. not. And you know what? We wouldn't dream of it. We <laughs> wouldn't have dreamed of it. Again, it will just be Ali, guys. You, <laughs> you know what would be really cool? Happen. What we should do, though, it's just sort of hearkening back to some of the pre the pre conversation is a live show in Toronto. I'm in. Let's oh, give the people yeah. what they want. Oh man, let's yeah. seriously like for sure. Could you imagine the the best the best working vacation you'll have, Mark. I, I yeah. mean, I'm ready. I'm ready now. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, Mark Shapiro, everyone. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been our uh, our episode. Mark, where can people find you besides um, uh, the hashtag MedLasso and yeah. besides the Explore the Space podcast? Where else can they find yeah, you? Yeah, so podcast is on all the usual podcast platforms, and the MedLasso episodes are just embedded in, in the show. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at ETS Show and Instagram at Explore the Space Show. And my email is open. If people still like to use email, Mark at Explore the Space Show. The cool thing is, though, is that I set up an automatic function where all my emails will now bounce to you guys. So I don't have to read any more email. <laughs> no, I mean, I think you've made all these friends in your adult life. I mean, these might be some cool emails. There might be some good people who come our way. And that's the good stuff. Everything else, you guys can have the emails. Okay. Okay. Asif <laughs> seems to have miraculously a lot of time on his hands. So that's uh I'll I'll, I'll, I'll do I'll do the emails for everyone. Right on. Yeah, okay, cool. But thank you so much again, Mark. We really appreciate it. This was so wonderful. And I do check my email. that's our show for today let us know what you thought about our interview with dr mark shapiro an interesting guy with so many different interests very excited about ted lasso as well yeah uh so am i i uh i'm excited to dive in too normally i would do it with the family but i'm gonna be on the road so suck an egg family papa's going ted lasso he's doing this season on his own well let us know what you guys think uh about the episode dr v comedian at gmail.com dr v comedian on facebook twitter instagram we are everywhere but remember that although i'm a doctor i'm not your doctor medical issues we talk about are for your interest and information only and they're not medical advice please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice thanks for listening bye bye